This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back into the Insiders. I am James Ham. Joining me today is... King's legend, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, what's going on? Well, James, uh, not much. Just glad to be with you. Obviously, uh, enjoy your work. Uh, you know, I, I've certainly been a fan of yours for a while. You know, having, driving down, talking hoops uh, like we did for, for a couple of years. Uh, so, hey, just uh, keep doing what you do. I'm missing our stops at Wendy's for chili. Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of one of the highlights. Uh uh, you know, actually, actually, for me, going to anything and getting away from San Francisco is a highlight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree 100%. Certainly, I don't even want to drive my car down there anymore after uh, last, you know, uh, over my experience there going to NBC and having my door kicked in and weird stuff happen all the time. Um, we had some crazy stuff happen last night in the NBA, like not Kings related, but I think it speaks to a slightly larger thing that's going on right now in the league. And that's, we had Bell and Bede go for 70, 70 and 18. And then we had Carl Anthony Towns go for 62 and a loss. Is there just no defense being played at all, Jerry? Because <laughs> that's what it feels like. Well, you know, there, there's not much. And, I, and I'm not sure you're allowed to play defense. That's also, but you mm. know, all the breaks go to the offensive players, you know, where, you know, you know, guys can drive into defenders and and they create contact and they get the foul. You know, poor defenders can stand there and go straight up and and maybe if they twitch a little bit or move an arm forward slightly, it's a foul on them. And that's ridiculous, of course. Yeah, it's uh, just studying the history of the game. I'd always say, you know, just when I was watching it a lot as a young person, in the 60s and 70s, it was similar to this, except there wasn't a three-point shot, but it was all offense. And, and you had those durated numbers, mm. you know, guys getting 50 rebounds and this, that, and the other, because there's a lot of rebounds to get and high scores. And then, you know, by the early 80s and 90s, defense, you know, got a lot more physical. They took away a lot of things that offensive players can do. You're, you know, to win, if you got 100 points, you're probably going to win. And now we're back, I think, to where you're starting to see the exaggerated stats a little bit. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, last year the Sacramento Kings were incredible offensively. They set the record for offensive rating, 118.6. There's now like six teams above that um, this season. Mm -hmm. and, and so that tells you that either the Kings figured something out in the league and everybody copied them, or more teams are now not playing defense. And, and to me, like it's weird that we were talking about it. The Kings' defense this year versus last year – Defensive rating, they're almost identical. It's like 116. Last year, they're 25th. This year, they're 17th. And it speaks to a larger trend in the league of the hyper-focus on offense, you know, led by guys like Joel Embiid, but also guys 
like Tyrese Halliburton, who is just playing out of his mind in Indiana, setting up everybody, but with a team that plays very little defense and just is hyper-focused on the offensive end. Like, do you think you can still win in this league being just a defensive-minded co- uh, defensive team? No, no, I don't. I mean, I think, you know, and, and of course I never have. I mean, I think defense is always back in the 80s, 90s is more important probably is now. But uh, I've always said that if you look up, you know, in the rafters of the arenas, you'll see a scoreboard. They don't call it a defensive board. And and, inve- and inevitably the team with the most points on that board always wins. So defense uh, means you don't have to score as much, but you still have to score more. And so offense is, in my mind, is always more important and and just just what it is. But uh, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I think it is, especially in today's league. If you can't go out and get 120, you you probably aren't going to be competing for much mm-hmm. uh, most nights. And and then of course, I think you can even take it a step further. You really got to have that one guy probably on any contender that can average close to 30. You know, and that so that's some differences there, and and uh, you know, it's uh, I enjoy the game, but but I think too uh, to your earlier point, I think one of the reasons teams are scoring more is, is, and I think they have taken a page from Golden State, Sacramento, is that shooting the three in transition, mm. tough shot to guard. You know, yeah. if you if you want to throw it ahead and push it up and and shoot a, shoot threes in transition it's hard to get to those guys and and so and and of course guys making them you know i mean it's been a number of years now to where young guys coming up through the ranks i mean they focus on the three point shot so that's become such a staple and to to in my mind too 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 much of one but still uh you know every team almost plays the same you know push it up in transition shoot the three go into the screen and roll or draw, draw and kick, you know, pretty much every night, every team. Is it strange to you as a, a guy who coached where you're not calling any plays because the game is so fast now Yeah, that like there's already like if, if you're going to call a play, there's already like three plays that have already happened. Mm-hmm. Like there's our, what you're talking about, the transition, the transition three. I mean, you can literally see a team grab a rebound, hit an outlet pass hit a guy in, who's already run to the corner, who's already released it, and there's 21 seconds on the clock as he's firing. Yeah. There's no time to I – mean, like, all of your coaching has to be done well before the game and has to – like, it's just an identity that you have in a game as opposed to, you know, again, like calling specific play sets or things that might actually impact the game, like, in in the middle of the action. Yeah, no, that I think that's – that's uh... Terrific point. You know, I said last year I thought I would never see a team being efficient offensively after made baskets. Oh, yeah. Uh, I said you, it, that shouldn't be possible because, you know, they've got four guys on offense. you got one guy taking it out, and you got five defenders running back. But the Kings did a marvelous job doing that. Now, having said that, I think teams are on to them a little bit. They've taken – some of that away. The Kings mm-hmm. are playing in the half court more this year than they did last year. Seems to just the eye test. And, and it's, you know, scouting is scouting. I've always said the NBA team scout. They, they have actually some bright people that, that do that. And I think, you know, trying to take away a few things that, that teams that, where I sank last year just caught people by surprise a little bit. Uh, but, you know, the other thing I, I think 
going back a little bit to old school and whether you'd agree or not, but I am convinced, uh, have been convinced for a while, I'm more convinced today, that in crunch time, you need some set plays and some 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 real structure mm-hmm. because for a couple of reasons, uh, I think the game gets more physical. The refs kind of swallow the whistles a little bit. And, and so you need to be able to get the guys shots that need to get shots. Uh, and I think, you know, you, you see that's how I think down the stretch of games, whether it's the Kings or another team, how leads are lost because you're not, you know, you're, you're really not getting in into anything particular and they're taking you out of your free flowing game is what I'd say. Gotcha. <laughs> and, and I think you see it and you see it in the playoffs. Oh, because yeah. the game's more f- physical, it it gets harder to get shots in the you know kind of a free flowing, uh, uh, fr- freelance style, and uh, so, you know, in my mind. But it, you know, I love I love the way that they play, and I think that's that, that's more fun game to watch. But I still think, just the old school in me thinks, boy, when that lasts four or five minutes, you better have three or four things. Need plays that you know you can run to get key guys the ball in certain positions. Yeah, that's not like the four flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and I, I agree, and I think what we've seen from Mike Brown is they are peppering in some different things this year. We've mm-hmm. we've seen like the horn set with De'Aaron Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen teams blow up the horn set because they know what's coming, yeah. uh, which I think is interesting. But his speed and quickness to get around the front group is crazy. Um, you know, we have seen them like focus, uh, switch and do a pick, pick and roll heavy Uh system, like in crunch time. And so that's where I do think that they have that. Uh It's just that you might need to switch into that mode a little earlier, some games. And I think that that's what we've kind of seen them let go of the rope a couple of times. And also you're either blowing out teams or you're getting blown out most of the season. (laughs) So it's really tough to worry about what set you're going to be in, in the fourth quarter when, you know, it's a 25 point game. One way or the other. Yeah, and too, I, I think, you know, one of the things that's been a positive and maybe even hurt him a little bit in the sense that Fox has been so terrific in fourth quarters of just creating by himself, you know, and, and, and the other guys just stepping aside. And, you know, this year I think teams here again are a little more prepared for mm-hmm. that. And so, uh, you know, in my mind is, well, maybe, uh, you know, Maybe you still should try to run more stuff through Domas, uh, as opposed to just having him, you know, kind of step aside and and, and Fox go uh, go win the game for us, kind of thing. Because I mean, as good as he is, and he's a terrific young player still, one of the best. But it's it's uh, when the other team knows that's what you're going to do, it gets tougher. No, it does, and I think that like the way that this team is evolving is so different than what we saw last year. Uh, we'll dive into that when we come back after the break. Uh, we got tons to talk about. We got Jerry Reynolds here in studio, which is always a treat. Um, we're going to keep diving into not only what's happening with the Kings on the court, but Jerry has all this expertise uh, <laughs> as as a GM, as a coach. Uh, how, how do you approach a player that you know is going to get traded and he knows is going to get traded, but you still need him to play for another 10 games? So uh, we'll have all of that next. Uh, We are the Insiders here on ESPN 1320. See you in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Now, back to the Insiders with James Ham and Kyle Matson. Brought to you by Jiffy Loop on ESPN 1320. Welcome back into the Insiders. I'm James Ham. Joining me, Mr. Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, it, it's great to see you. I, I like sitting across from you, and like <laughs> we need to go get coffee more and stuff. Yeah, yes, you're right. Yeah. So um, the Kings, the Kings missed out on a couple of guys here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we saw the Pascal Siakam trade, um, where he's now in Indiana. We saw the OG Ananobi trade, where he's in New York. Both of those guys seemingly were targets of the Sacramento Kings, even the Siakam deal. Like, from what I know, if the Kings wanted to do the deal, they could have got that deal done. But each of those come with their own pitfalls. And so when I know the salary cap when you were a GM wasn't as big a deal, but you were still with the team and with the front office as the salary cap became this monstrous thing. Just how difficult is it to look at a player like Siakam, 29 going on 30, but you know that he wants like a five-year, $250 million extension. And you already have a couple of guys on your team that make a lot of money or are going to want to make even more money into year and when his salary comes up. And then you got, you know, Keegan Murray and you got Malik Monk. And like, how big of a picture do you have to look at when you're, when you're going to a trade, especially when it comes to like a free agent that's going to want a bunch of money down the road? And, and just how difficult is that decision to lay it all out there and, and know what's going to happen five years from now or three years from now. Well, yeah, that's the whole thing. Of course, you, you can't know uh, three or four years from now, and you sign those deals. And and uh, and I think, too, I mean, basically, uh, you know, the risk of going having to go into luxuries to uh, sign, your you know, basically your own free agent once you've traded, uh, it, it changes things. Then you're really locked in. Mm-hmm. And, and how much better is he for sure going to make you uh, you know, there's that risk. I mean, not saying, you know, they're good players. You know that. Yeah. But do they actually mean more wins or, or just a different guy getting stats? Uh, there's there's always a, a concern there, you know. And, and uh, yeah, it's a – and then, you know, of course, you know, in, in a lot of cases, I mean, quite honestly, probably a third to a half of the, the owners in the league, you know, 
really are, aren't going to go into the luxury tax regardless. Yeah, I know. You know the and warriors I, are I, paying 186 million in luxury taxes. Yeah, you and you know that's not uh, going to go forward very well. No. Uh, because I mean, at some point, uh, you know, paying 180 million extra for a team is basically 500 team maybe. Uh, and so, so those those are all those concerns, and of course, I was situation for years, or we were, uh, where there wasn't even a chance to get to the cap, but <laughs> <laughs> which which is another. But we'll talk about that another day. But I, but I think this ownership, obviously, they would pay the money if they thought it was worth it. I believe that, but uh, yeah, I, I could I can see why they would have done say a Siakam. I like Siakam a lot as a player. I think mm-hmm. he'd have been a, a good fit. But uh, I, I don't see him as a $50 million player either. I no. Just, I just don't. Yeah. If he wanted a, a five-year 150, 160, and you're risking, you know, that you're paying a 35-year-old, 34-year-old Siakam, like 35, 34 million bucks down the road, okay. But that's not what he's talking about. And no. Huh? As he's... soon as he said max – yeah, like, well, oh. well, everybody averages over 15 points a game in the NBA now. Over two years as a max player, I think. I mean, the idea was the max players was the Embiid's and the Jokic's and guys like that, LeBron James. And now it's, uh, you know, pretty much anybody's had maybe made an all-star team once and 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 uh, averages in double figures. No, that's, that's crazy because uh, I know, like, the Kings are attached to other players, a guy like uh, Zach Levine, yeah, right, who is making max money. Who yeah. you know, there's a point where he will make fifty million bucks, and we're talking about a guy who blew out his knee as a young player. We're talking about a guy who doesn't isn't known for playing defense, and you know who's known for his athleticism, which eventually, with some of these guys, especially who have had knee injuries, goes away. And you have to be so cautious with who you are looking at and who, how you structure your team and how that will impact things, and then whether you can still sign a Malik Monk or whether you can extend a Keegan Murray when it's time for him to get paid. And so I, I think it's like super complex when, you, when you're breaking all of it down. Is there anyone right now that you're looking at and you're thinking, hmm, if I were the Kings, this is sort of where I would go. I mean, we know the the standard names that are out there that, that may or may not be available. And then we also know that there's another list of names that we haven't got that are available that teams aren't telling the that aren't letting it get out that they're available but is there someone that you're you would go chase if you were the kings well there's two guys i think i would that there's some rumors on you don't know what's true but but uh herb jones from the Mm -hmm. the pelicans uh uh, you know i i think he would be a really good fit because of his defense and then maybe the best fit and and you know he hadn't done a lot yet he's a young player but i think you're the Kings are going to have to look more in that direction of finding a guy that really could be a developmental guy. I always said, as you know, a few years ago, I was really a big Bobby Portis guy. I said, but this, mm. they ought to go after this guy. And then last year is Nas Reed. And my guy this year is Jalen Smith from Indiana. Oh, okay. Lively, young guy that uh, can make threes, uh, can block shots. I mean, be a perfect fit with Sabonis in my mind, and and you know, a guy like that, and might be available because Indiana's got they added Siakam, mm-hmm. and they've really got more players than they can play. That's an interesting player. I hadn't thought of Jalen Smith. I mean, he played here in Sacramento last week. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually, 
I'm almost positive he got sick and was throwing up in a trash can right next to their bench, like during the game. Mm-hmm. They had two players that had situations in that game. Isaiah um, Isaiah Jackson got a concussion somehow in that game, which I don't even still know mm-hmm. how he got a concussion. He's been out the last couple of games, but you saw him like like kind of and then leave and came back and got a trainer and went back and he's been out and then uh and then Jalen Smith I like Jalen Smith I, I liked him coming into the draft he's one of those guys that had a really really nice three-point shot mm-hmm. coming into the draft and then uh but went way too high so mm-hmm. expectations kind of killed his early career especially when you look at him as a number 10 pick and Tyrese Halliburton is two picks later mm-hmm. and just think what the uh the Phoenix Suns would look right now with Tyrese Halliburton alongside, you know, uh, Devin Booker and and Kevin Durant and all those guys. I mean, you could see how that, especially if he could have been an understudy behind Chris Paul at the time, that's where well, it would have been. You know, how would the Warriors look instead of James Wiseman? Uh, no, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, that no, but you would still have Clay like thinking that he's still Clay, and so who would play and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Uh, but that's an interesting name. So so Jalen Smith. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on the way to the break, and, and I love Herb Jones as well. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that I mean they're trying to improve their team, mm-hmm. and I don't think that there's a match where the Kings can actually get in on a trade for for Herb. Uh, yeah, I'd be surprised too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think you know Herb. I'd, I'd even Trey Murphy. I like a lot. Yeah, uh, differently because he's such a he's a shot maker, long yeah. long wing that can really really is going to make shots. Make, it, They've done a nice job of finding those guys. They have. They really have. And, yeah. And I think they Willie Green's done a really nice job, coached them up. You know, it's their only issues have always been injuries. Yeah. You know, keeping Ingram and Zion on the floor, Valanciunas. Uh, yeah. Uh, CJ. I mean, they if they ever could keep them together for thirty straight games, I, I mean, they could be about as good as anybody. No, that's true. I mean, I think the Kings have seen it all season long. Some mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is that they've got, the Kings don't have and mm-hmm. and that's again if you're the pelicans i have a hard time believing that they're going to trade with a, a team like the kings who is in the same conference who is around the same level of play yeah. and then if you make the mistake and give them the piece that they were missing then you're going to pay for it yeah. you know the last thing you want if you're them is to have to play herb jones in a first round or a second round series yeah and i don't even know who they're missing you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't have a clue necessarily what piece they're looking for. I mean, to me, it's like anything. You 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 identify guys that you think would fit you, and then make a run at them. And 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 the worst they can do is say no. Yep. And then you say, well, thank you very much. We'll <laughs> we'll call some the next call. You know, you That's just right. you know you can't get your feeling. It's not like trying to. Uh, uh, get a date when you're in junior high school, you know, you don't get your feelings hurt. You just move on. You just move on. Um, You bring up, okay, so the Kings are in this weird situation where I think we all can see their needs, but in your opinion, what is their biggest need? What is it that, again, not maybe a player, but a player type that you would be uh, going all in on or, or really trying to chase, whether it's at this deadline or this summer? Well, there's, I think there's two. Uh, you know, if you could get one of the a type, uh, a wing that can guard a couple of positions, a long athletic wing, to guard twos and threes, let's say, mm-hmm. and then a, a a power guy that could guard fours and fives, an athletic guy, preferably one that could stretch the floor as well. So I think there's two things there. I mean, you know, if you could just address one, 
and at the trade deadline, that'd be terrific. I don't think it's possible. And then maybe somehow get the other one addressed in the off season, as as well as keep, you know, your your core that you want to keep. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. We're going to continue this discussion after the break. Uh, when we come back, we're we're going to look into sort of the dynamics of of what it takes to add talent during the during the season and how much disruptive like sort of a force that can be within a locker room and with a team. So uh, we're the insiders here on ESPN 1320 brought to you by Jiffy Lube. We'll be back in just a minute. Now back to the insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. No Kyle this week, but we do have Kings legend, Jerry Reynolds in the house. Jerry, how are you? Great, great. We're holding up? I, I think so. I think I can make it now. You know, I've got my second wind. <laughs> the stool's comfortable. <laughs> yeah, we're ready to roll. Um, you've been part of some major, major end-season trades in the past. How hard is it, like, in, in those situations where, you know, you do have some players who don't want to go, who want nothing more than to be part of a franchise that's building something or they like where they're living or, you know, they got a girlfriend there or whatever. Like how hard is it when you, uh, when you're entering this phase of the season and you're like, man, I've, I've got to pull this guy aside and, and really have this hard discussion with him. Well, it is, it is a difficult thing because, it, you know, as a fan, you always think, well, just trade this guy for that guy. You don't see him as, you know, they got families, they got a place, change places. There's a lot of issues there. Uh, what, I, what I've always done, and, and I always recall, you know, different times they emerge out about trades. And, and so a lot of times if, if it wasn't to it, I'd go to guys and say, look, this isn't true. You know, if, it, if, it, if there's ever something, that I'll come to you and tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, there are times when, okay, there's a rumors and stuff. I don't say yes, uh, I'll, you know, because maybe a player or his agent will – Will say what's what's going on here, and I say, yeah, we're we're uh, we are looking into to a deal. Uh, obviously, if it's a deal that's good for us, and we hope good for you and your client, we, we'll do it. That's that's our job. But uh, you know, we we'll keep you informed, and and we expect you to keep uh, you know privacy about it. Uh, which is uh, asking an agent to be private is uh, might as well be asking my wife, you know, to not say something. But, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, throwing Dodie <laughs> under the bus right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Anyway, it. Uh, yeah, I just always said, I think the you know honesty is the best policy. Be truthful, you know, and and uh, just tell guys and and remind them that it's. Very few players get to play with one team their entire career. Mm-hmm. Only the greats, usually. And everybody else uh, has to establish value for the team they're on and the league they're in. In other words, I mean, you look at Sabonis. It's his third team. Harrison Barnes' third team. Kevin Herter's second team. Malunk, Malik Monk's third team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the reality yeah. of how this league is. I think Malik said it the other day. He's like, no, this isn't stressful. He's like, I was out of the league at one point. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, you were. That's interesting. Like it, like sort of the reality check of like how your career is usually hanging by a thread until it's not. Yeah. 
And, and I think a lot of guys, have you ever had, like, I, I know I used to hire and fire people all the time for years working retail. And like, I've fired a lot of people and you never know how someone's going to like react. Have you ever had like a very, very bad reaction, whether it's emotion or whether it's like anger or, or a player just break down on you in, in the middle of one of these? Yeah. You know, on, uh, as far as a, a waving a player, I always mm -hmm. remember, uh, it, it, you know, I, I don't know how I got, well, I, yeah, at the time I think, cause I'd taken over for Bill Russell and, uh, but he had basically signed the guy, Ben Guillory, who wasn't a very good player out of, out of Georgetown. Cause I think his friendship with John Thompson, but then, you know, basically I just felt I was in a position, you know, we, we got a waving cause he's not very good and we're not very good. And we'd like to get somebody at least belongs in the league, mm -hmm. you know, at, at minimum. And so, you know, I, I told him, I said, we're going to have to wave you. And, and, uh, I certainly hope you can get picked up with somebody. I didn't think that he would, which he didn't. And he, you know, he took it really hard. It's sad because, you know, I think he knew that Yeah, that this was, that's the worst part. You're 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 really taking a guy, you know, out of a league that that maybe shouldn't have. He you know he he's just not good enough to be in it. I mean, he was lucky to get the opportunity. And yeah. He, but but at some point, it's uh you know like I say, it's not little league. It's professional, and and uh, you you don't have an obligation to try to get the best team you can. Yeah. And that's gonna hurt some feelings, and just like. Uh, with players playing, who you play is going to hurt some feelings. You know, that's the reality. Yeah. Have you had, as you're building up to a trade deadline, just like you can visibly see someone just is not handling it? Like, because I, I remember here in Sacramento, the guy that always comes to my mind is Marcus Thornton. Like Marcus Thornton, like the two weeks leading up to a trade deadline, couldn't hit a shot. Uh -huh. As soon as the deadline was over, 30 points a game. Like, but you could see the stress you could see, and he's not even being mentioned anywhere, but you could just see the anxiety of it. You can see, you know, like just the panic and the, like not even knowing how to talk, not even like not knowing how to express themselves, but have, have that and how have you seen it impact a team as you're getting towards the deadline? Well, it does. I mean, I think trade that that deadline uh, you know affects all teams because there's always rumors about every team, mm -hmm. and certain players and 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 you know teammates, you know even though they're not being rumored, sometimes that's their best friend. Uh, you know, as you pointed out, a Marcus Thornton, and each situation is a little different. Like a, you know, Marcus Little Buckets, as we call him. Yeah. <laughs> then I mean, this was. You know, Sacramento had been by far the best situation he'd ever been in. Yes. And, you know, had gotten the chance to play a lot. It, it you know, increased, increased his value a lot. So he knew that. And, and But it's also true the Kings knew that his value might be higher than it's ever going to be again. And so that creates its own dynamic. But, yeah, it's a – there's no doubt. This is, you know, always a relief, I think, when trade deadline passes mm -hmm. for every team. Now, you know, that – because there's there's always certain guys that are involved directly, but even the periphery guys, it's like, well, yeah, that's my buddy I hang out with, and and he goes to Charlotte. Well, uh, that's not my – I can't hang out with my best buddy again, you know, yeah. type thing. I even, like, I've, I've talked about this a little bit here on the show. I think there's a dynamic with Harrison Barnes and, and De'Aaron Fox that people just overlook. Mm -hmm. Like, 
De'Aaron Fox is that's been his veteran his whole career, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Barnes got traded. I, I think the back end of his rookie yeah. season. Yeah, the the second half of the rookie season, right? Yeah. yeah, and so you basically have had Barnes with you every step of the way. But I, I think Barnes is one of those players who doesn't just you know teach you how to be a, a good pro. He's a, he's a guy who lives a certain way who. Uh, you know, interacts with the community a certain way, who presents himself in front of the media a certain way. And so you've had this whole entire career of having this professional, you know, beacon to look up to next to you and they lockers right next to each other. I think it it can be like super emotional for a player to know, like not only is it, you see the stress that your your buddy's going through, but you're also feeling it too, like the the potential loss. And I know you can still be friends. You can still pick up a phone. You can still... FaceTime or whatever, but it's different when you're part of a, a locker room, which is more like a family, right? Yeah, and, and traveling, um, you know, in a lot of cases, uh, same guys sit next to one another on the plane, on the bus. You know, there's a, there's a real dynamic there. You know, I always, just even in the broadcasting part, you know, I always, Gary Gerald and I would set to get, you know, there's, there, you know, there's just sim- simply a dynamic there that, uh, you know, that was, you know, that fit. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, you make a good point about Harrison. I think we all forget a little bit, you know, just his level of professionalism and comfort in the locker room and coachability, all those things, you know, we want different things sometimes on the floor, but you couldn't ask for anything better off the floor. And I always, I've always called him, you know, the kind of the 2020 version of, of Eddie Johnson, who was a, for the older fans would remember Eddie, a pro's pro class guy you know just you know just everybody respected you know on your team and and yeah. had all those same things you know good player that coachable locker room pro uh you know really mentored young guys now he's a really good broadcaster and great broadcaster yeah, yeah yeah we have breaking news it just happened uh adrian griffin was just fired as the bucks head coach Ooh, surprising well i'll say this there was no reason to hire, fire the guy they fired. That was one of the Mike Budenholzer. All he did was they had the best record in the league last year. They lost in the playoffs because their star, Adetokounmpo, was hurt. I mean, it's like good grief, and he'd won a championship for you. I After mean, not winning yeah. for many, 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 for many, 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 many years. Decades. Uh, I was gonna, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a set of uh, new owners, it's basically, you know, yeah. kind of like – Good grief, guys! Take a step back and and don't, you know, don't uh, do what somebody that uh, writes into the paper tells you to do. It's interesting too because, um, like, we're shifting gears here just a little bit just to to talk about this as it's happening. They have the second best record in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, it's, it's uh, this wasn't about wins and losses. This was about personalities behind the scenes, and it, we saw that early on. I mean, Terry Stotts quit like right away, like was not comfortable with what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. I think this puts a, a really, really good team in a strange spot. Yeah. You wonder, I mean, I, I can't imagine that happened uh, without a debt Kumpo being on board. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you it, did just get him his money. So yeah, yeah. he's there no matter what. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, <laughs> but I mean, with Giannis, I mean, uh, obviously the franchise player and one of the, you know, the best, if not best player in the world. I mean, he's among them. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I can't imagine any franchise doing something like that without, uh, you know, at least knowing it, it would be accepted 
by their star, if not approved. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go back to King's talk here. Uh, one of those broad questions, right? Um, if you're the Kings right now, and I think we kind of know where they are. Like, they're probably better than a seven seed. Uh, they're probably more like a four, five, six still. And they'll probably figure out their way along uh, along the way. Now, they could collapse, and you know we never know for sure. But when you're approaching this trade deadline, I think we all can understand that it doesn't matter how good they're playing. There's still probably an ingredient or two missing from them being a, a true contender. So how do you approach a deadline like this where you know that you're a piece away or, or two, but that piece could be big, and you know that by going and tr making that trade, again, the Kings are about to venture out on a seven-game road trip leading up to February 5th, right? Mm -hmm. uh, well, February 7th, they get back to play. The day before the tra de trade deadline, they play Detroit. So you know that if you make a gigantic trade right here, you could totally upset the balance of the team. You could drop six games on the road trip because you don't have players and players are moving in and out like chaos. Like, how do you manage all of that? And, and realistically, I think the biggest question is, how do you manage knowing that in order to get to here, you might need to take a step back to here, but you need one of those those substantial pieces that changes who you are? Well, that, that that's it in a nutshell. I mean, I will say this. Probably the best time to do something like that if you want to China change is while they're on a big road trip. Uh, you know, I think the front office has more time more time to really focus on that. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'd go back to the trade uh, Kings made years ago uh, when for Peja Stojakovic for Ron Artest uh, mm. in the middle of the year. The Kings were really struggling. Uh, Peja was starting to have back problems. Uh, you know, wasn't quite the same Peja. And obviously Ron had had his issues in uh, Indiana, and, uh, but it was a trade that was made, and, and certainly there wasn't any guarantee how it's going to work as it turned out it made you know saved the season and team was a playoff team when at the time it was made it clearly weren't mm -hmm. and uh of course i would go back to another point is the reason kind of worked besides ron being a really good player and good with his teammates uh rick adelman you know there again i, I think that's where the head coach really has an impact you know because they're the ones that's got a kind of oversee fitting it in yeah, and getting it right, you know, utilizing that new guy correctly. And, uh, and so, you know, and some coaches are way better than others at it, you know, and I always thought, like I say, now, you know, Rick was bringing him into somewhat of a, certainly a stable organization, but, but, uh, but I thought Rick Allman deserved a lot of credit, just like I think Mike Brown would be very good in that sort of thing. Okay. That's that's an interesting thought because you you just don't know how it's going to work out, and I think when you're when you're a team that's trying to get to a, a completely different level than you're on, there's going to be risk and reward and everything. Um, when you're a part of a front office, what is what is that like with the the coach being here, the the general manager and his staff being here, your analytics staff, then you also have an ownership like you know, part of the conversation as well. But when you're leading up to one of these deadlines, how do you manage all of that? And, you know, a coach saying, I need X, Y, and Z. 
and a GM thinking, I need this, this, and this, uh, an owner saying, I'm not sure if I want to play this, this, and this, <laughs> but you have all of these like different orbits that you're dealing with. And then you got some really smart guys who are saying like, these three players will fit into our system because the computer says so. But you know what I mean? Like, how do you manage all of that ego and all, because you've been on just about every side of that equation. Yeah. Well, it, it's rare when it does all fit, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, you know, when you have a front office and a hit and the head coach front office and ownership all on the same page, then you, you really, you got a chance to get somewhere. And, uh, I've seen it that way. And then I've seen it when it wasn't that way, but in general, uh, think, you know, there's two different uh, ways to look at it. I mean, a coach and it's, and he can't change. He has to be, he's looking for how are you going to, how are we going to be better tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Concern. Because he, he knows it's about losses uh, going forward quick. And the general manager has got to keep in mind, yeah, I'd like first, but I'm looking at the franchise longer term. Yeah. Uh, and so sometimes that's where, you know, a little misunderstanding. But if that's ever there, and, and generally speaking, the should be on the, if there is a side, it should be on the general manager's side. And then, uh, but, but what you'd hope is that there's a really good relationship with coach and general manager, and they can come to understand where they're going there. And of course, with, uh, Jeff Petrie and Roman, that was always that way. And I think certainly it appears way here now, but, uh, but you have to have that. I mean, you know, the player, I mean, Mike would probably look at what do we got to do to get better tomorrow and be damned with the draft choices and five years I, I thought <laughs> that sort of thing where but a, a general manager he has to kind of look at all those kind of things plus as you've pointed out the cap implications yeah uh you know where it may actually destroy the franchise rather than it may make them better for a while but uh so yeah there's a, a lot of thoughts i mean that's why it's always good when you have a lot of voices I know with the front office now with Wes Wilcox and got experienced guys with Monty and, and certainly a coaching staff. You know, they really got some competent people there that have been to the county fairs, I'd like to say. And so, you know, they, they, they sh could, should be able to kind of come to the same place. Because, the same pace, I, I mean, you know, I can't believe and I'm fairly confident Mike Brown knows what they need. Monty McNair knows what they need. The problem is getting what you need. <laughs> no, totally, totally. And I think it's a certain point. Sometimes you do have to give a coach something that you probably don't think works, mm -hmm. but that you're like, okay, I'll let you go ahead and, and figure out whether it works or not. And I always think of like Keon Clark, mm -hmm. like Keon Clark was square pegging around. Hole. Oh boy. Like just like not just on the court, but off the court, but the on the court thing, he didn't have the same, basketball IQ as the rest of the players on the court. He had a gift for blocking shots, yep. but he didn't have a gift for all the other things that happened on that court, but you had to at least try it, right? Because yeah. at a certain point, like, Hey, our defense isn't good enough. To, that might need be what we need to get over the championship hump. And we, we at least have to try it. And so I think sometimes there is that tinkering, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's one of those things again, where, with uh, with Rick Adelman, I think he was so good at, you know, spotting him. Yeah. You know, he knew who he was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he knew what he could do on the floor in spurts, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and he, he had a strong group, you know, 
with Vladi and high character guys, uh, you know, just could keep things under control a little bit. Okay. Um, let's see. We're getting close, uh, not only to the end of the show. Uh, we got we got a few minutes left, but uh, but to the NBA trade trade deadline. And what would you do here? Would you make a big trade? Would you de- would you make a small trade on the peripheral that maybe swaps out a guy in your top eight, but doesn't change the dynamic of your total rotation? Um, like wh- where would you head? Well, you know, I, I think I'd have to just approach it. Uh, any trade I can make that makes the team better. I mean, you'd love to make a big trade that you're confident in would, you know, make the big splash that would really set you up. But uh, sometimes you don't even have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're always looking for that. But if you can't, I mean, if you can, you know, go get Chris Weber or Mitch Richmond or somebody that kind, well, yeah, that that's that's a home run. But uh, you, don't be scared to just settle for a good single, you know, yeah. a nice a nice solid piece that uh, you know, Darius Sangaila type guy that comes in and makes you better. Yeah, or, or uh, Trey Lyles, or you know, kind of a periphery kind of trade where you trade a really good player like Ahito Turkoglu, and that's involved in getting a Brad Miller. Uh, in the long run, it probably wasn't a good move. Short run, it saved you being a quality team for for two or three more years. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's always a dynamic, right? You're you're trying to like manage what's today and what's tomorrow. And, right. and you know, like I, I've heard you say it a million times: if you have a five year plan in the NBA, you have no plan at all. Right. Right. So no, it's, it sounds good, but uh, you know, it's like trust the process. Well, yeah, trust it as long as you're getting paid and. And they, and they don't care if you win in 15 games a year. <laughs> but you better – at some point, uh, yeah, I always say, I think most in today's uh, sports, and all, all sports, I think, you know, probably three years is just about the the limit that, where they, ex- you know, expect real improvement. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so we've talked about, like, sort of who you would go after. Uh, what about these picks? Like, the, the Kings have – their 2024 is pretty much tied up. I mean, they could not be tied up if they don't make the uh, make the playoffs, but um, they do have access to like the 26, the 28, the 30. Um, how far out did you ever feel comfortable trading picks, or did you not? Because you were usually the team who took in picks. Yeah, I mean, I, the only thing I'd say is that uh, you know you want certainly you don't want to give up a lottery pick, so you want protections on that. But if uh, and, and even though you'd think, well, that's not going to be a problem going forward. Well, don't think that because it can be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, teams that didn't protect picks in the past, you know, uh, that were in the 20s, they thought, and then all of a sudden they were in the fives. And so uh, so that. But I, I guess the way I'd look at it is I would never be too concerned about trading a pick five years down the road if it's not – if as long as it's protected – for a couple of reasons, I'd say, you know, I'm probably not going to be there. And <laughs> and, and in my case now as a fan, I'm, I may not be here in five years. So uh, if you can get something that helps you sooner, you know, because this team has a four- or five-year window, you probably think, yeah, to accomplish something. So why why are you concerned about, you know, past your own window for, for really pushing for something? Yeah, I think as long as you're not giving up the future after your window and, and you're not just selling everything out, your window, it could last eight eight years here. You yeah, got guys sure that are could. of a certain age. You could you could string this thing out to seven, eight years. 
what you don't want to do is, is put yourself in a situation that gets really ugly. All right. Well, hey, we're, we've run out of time. Uh, Jerry, thanks so much for joining me. I absolutely adore seeing you and, and having you here in the chair across from me. Well, thank you. As always, I enjoyed it and love talking hoops with you in particular. And so since we can't drive to San Francisco, this is, I guess, the best, best way we can do it. We could just drive to San Francisco and then drive back, but I'm not sure why we would do that. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I'd rather sit here and talk to you. Yeah, that's right. All right. We are the Insiders. Uh, Kyle will be back next week. Jerry Reynolds in the hot seat today. Uh, thanks for joining us. Again, brought to you by Jiffy Lube. D'Lo and Casey are next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 